Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. In today's episode, we discuss the topic of abortion. Please be aware that the content may not be suitable for young children or may be a sensitive topic for some listeners. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heinemann and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Well, it's good to be back, Elizabeth. We're talking about a very important subject today, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're excited to have Pat Layton on the podcast. So, Pat, we usually have our authors or our guests on the podcast tell us about themselves. So tell us about yourself and your family and your ministry. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I listen to the podcast, so it is an honor to be with you today. I um, am living in Northwest Georgia. I was actually born in Savannah, Georgia, but have spent my entire life in Tampa, Florida. Um, Gave birth to three children there and have five grands. But my husband and I followed um, our youngest grandchildren to Northwest Georgia about three years ago. And we were here about a year and a half and they moved. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Tell me, don't you feel sad for us? Yes. Yeah. So we have a beautiful home on three and a half acres in Northwest Georgia. Um, but our grands moved back to Tampa. Mm. So we love it, though. We have a little mini farm. I have three baby goats. Oh, yes. And so we, we really love it here. No telling, you know, where God's going to take us next. But it's been an adventure the last few years transitioning from Florida to Georgia after a lifetime there. Yeah, yes, I'm sure. Well, I've, I, I would say that you probably have a great place, though, for them to come visit you. Yes. That's like. what, yeah. yes, yes, it is. And that's what they say. They do not really want us to move because they love the little. My grandkids love the farm animals and um, you know, they love coming back to the mountains and we love the mountains. We're in Northwest Georgia, actually almost to Chattanooga. So we're not that far from you ladies, right? right? In yeah. Nashville. Yeah. yeah. That's a great part of the country. I feel like it's really pretty. 
really pretty. Tell us a little bit about your ministry. You have a very unique ministry, I feel like. Tell us about that. Yes, I've been in full-time ministry for 30-plus years. I actually, God called me into ministry basically before I practically knew the books of the Bible. Um, I uh, surrendered my life to the Lord um, when I was about 30 years old, and I um, came from a broken past, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, but it was in um, the healing journey of that past that God called me into full-time ministry, um, just serving other women who had been taking the journey I had taken. And so um, I opened Tampa, Florida's first pregnancy resource center called A Woman's Place. And it was one of the earliest centers. So it, it became, eventually became one of the largest in the nation. Um, so yes, I've had a, a journey basically concentrating on the pro-life movement entirely until about five years ago. And God started taking me out to some other pathways, but that's where I spent my beginnings of ministry and many, many years of growing and learning, um, you know, how to serve. And so it's been an adventure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your Bible study. Because it first came out, the Bible study is called Surrendering the Secret, and we want you to tell us a little bit about the study, and it came out several years ago, and then a few years ago, we updated it and did some things like that. So tell us a little bit about the study and and really what you hope for the women in the churches who go through this. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, it's Surrendering the Secret, and basically it was a a product, a study that I wrote to serve the women in our Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, But God began to expand our territory pretty quickly because there were not very many strong studies available for women, men, and couples who'd had a past abortion. So we used our study for many, many years. And then just by a beautiful story that we don't have time to tell today, God brought me to Lifeway. Um, And so we published, LifeWay published Surrendering the Secret for the first time in 2009, along with a video package. It's an eight-step Bible study leading women through the healing, predominantly women, through the healing journey of a past abortion. Um, The eight steps that are found in Surrendering the Secret are the same steps that a Christian counselor took me through all those many years ago. So uh, God has used that that system of healing for many, many years. So we were published in 2009 originally. I trained probably 4,000 leaders across the world in churches, in pregnancy centers across the world to use Surrendering the Secret. And then in 2019, LifeWay graciously and beautifully updated all the material, reformatted the leader guide, gave us a brand new brand. And um, so we have just been thriving since 2019, since the republication. We've continued to grow steadily. So we are now, what is that, 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, And we've reached, since the new publication, another several thousand leaders. So we, you know, all in all, estimate about 6,000 trained leaders across the world in Surrendering the Secret. Wow. Well, we know 
our church leaders and women in our churches are thinking more about this issue of abortion in yeah. recent months due to the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision. So what questions are you hearing um, leading this kind of ministry that as we're thinking through ministry to women in light of that decision, what are some of the questions that you're getting from women and then from church leaders in regards to this? Yes. You know, the interesting thing about abortion recovery is we've known all along that regardless of what the laws were, our ministry would not change much um, because women, you know, we have so many millions upon millions of women out there in the churches. You know, you all have published some statistics um, regarding the numbers of women who com, um, consider themselves Christians, who are interviewed going in or out of abortion clinics, somewhere in the 70% range. And a good half of those women who've had past abortion indicate having been to a church within the month of their abortion. So the this is happening in the church and uh, women's ministry leaders are aware of it. Church leaders are aware of it. Um, so the, the Roe versus Wade decision really didn't influence our work as much as the fact that it is, again, a topic of discussion. Right. So anytime this discussion rears up in such a strong way and a vibrant way, more women are you know, slithering under the church pews in shame because they have not told anyone of their past abortion. I just recently attended a speakers and writers conference, and the entire time I was at the conference, I was being approached by women's ministry leaders, published authors, and speakers who were sharing the fact that they had experienced a past abortion and had never shared it. Mm-hmm. So it's a secret that just stays with us, you know, um, decade upon decade. Yeah. And when, and when women kind of keep that secret, and like you said, there's a lot of shame in that, mm-hmm. it just suppresses. I mean, I, I know at my age, there are a lot of women that have gone 40, you know, 40 years right, right. with a secret. And is thing. that something that you see a lot? Yes, yes. I mean, I continue, as long as I've been doing this, I'm constantly amazed. Um, you know, to be in a writers and speakers conference, a Christian uh, speakers and writers conference where, you know, um, very influential leaders are sharing with me in the hallway or the bathroom or at a meal about their past abortion and about how sometimes their families don't know, Kelly, Mm -hmm. Um, after this many years. um, So that's really a painful part of this journey because I just always am always praying and asking God just to bring more stories out because those influencers have so much um, ability to help women come out of hiding from their past abortion, to know that God forgives them, to know that he will still use them in ministry um, and, you know, in leadership. So mm-hmm. it does continue to surprise me, but not as much as it used to. So 
um, you know, it's this is a challenge that as long as abortion, legal or illegal, um, is out there, we're we're going to always have the opportunity to share God's love with those women and men who've experienced the heartbreak of abortion. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the pregnancy resource centers that are out there. And I know a lot of our listeners, their churches are probably connected to a center. And Mm -hmm. so, or they may not be. So how can individuals and groups, like, what are some ways that women can really get involved and maybe support the pregnancy centers? Because they're doing an amazing job of, you know, not only doing ultrasounds and and doing some counseling or providing post-abortive you know type of resources but how can how can a woman get connected to that and why is that important well i have such a mix of feelings about that because i founded tampa's first pregnancy center i ran that center for 25 years um the truth is that many uh women and men who've had past abortions are reluctant to volunteer at pregnancy resource centers because of their past that's unhealed. Um, Sometimes they're reluctant to attend banquets or fundraisers because of their own heartbreak. So the church has such an opportunity to take that burden, so to speak, off of the Pregnancy Resource Center, because in the Pregnancy Center, our primary goal is to minister to women facing an unplanned pregnancy. Our primary goal is to intercept and prevent the heartbreak of abortion. So um, that is a lot in itself. So the women in the church, Christian women, Christian leaders, influencers have such an opportunity to bring abortion recovery ministry into the church um, directly or indirectly. So many churches receive Surrendering the Secret so beautifully. I feel like it's was such a God gift because LifeWay's endorsement of Surrendering the Secret opens the doors for many pastors and ministry leaders to trust it as a good curriculum. So for leaders just to open the doors to bring this healing material into the church to it, just to speak of it, to share it, to offer it to their women, knowing that anytime you speak to a group of women, you're speaking to approximately 50% of those women who've experienced a past abortion. So it's a huge ministry opportunity for the church. So to me, the healing starts in the church, the redemption starts in the church. And then those healed men and women then step out and participate and volunteer and donate at their local pregnancy resource center. Do you see what I mean about the path of healing leads to strength in the pregnancy resource center for the primary goal that we have there? so I, the pregnancy centers, of course, are a passion of mine. I mean, I led one for 25 years, and I think that there's nothing like them to help women make a choice for life, to see their unborn baby through the, the ultrasound, to have resources and support um, for choosing life. But the healing part, to me, the strength for healing comes from the church. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important 
for our churches to be involved in the local pregnancy centers because they can not only help equip the pregnancy centers, but then be in that family's life for the long haul. Whereas the pregnancy centers, just based on what they are and what their specialty is, they may not be able to be there years and years into that child's life, but they can point them to the church. And that partnership is such a a great one to have with all kinds of ministries, but especially that pregnancy center resource. It's so true. I mean, in the pregnancy center, the amount of work that we have there, the crisis mode that we are in with volunteers and staff, it has, you know, we have the priorities of of helping a woman choose life, helping her deal with her crisis. So, um, you know, our goal at our pregnancy center was always to feed those women into the church so that they began, they establish a church family. They, they go from one, they go from surrendering the secret or any Bible study one to another for, you know, discipleship and, um, you know, just spiritual growth. So yes, I, that, Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. You know, Pat, I remember this has been an a few years ago, but I was leading a, an evening Bible study, and I realized that there were a lot of women coming to my Bible study on Wednesday night that I hadn't seen in my church. And as I got to know them, I realized that they were coming from our recovery ministry. Mm-hmm. And so women's Bible study for them was, like you said, it was like that next step of discipleship. Like they found some community and they found a relationship with Christ, maybe even in that recovery group, but they weren't quite ready to jump into like big church or to coming to, right, the, right. to a Sunday morning, but uh-huh. they, but they felt that acceptance among other women. And so Bible mm-hmm. study was really that next step. And I think I think we sometimes miss that uh, when we look at our women's ministries, that Bible study is is such a, it can be a bridge for yes. our entire church. Right. Yes, a yeah. safe place, a smaller group. We encourage our leaders in the church for surrendering the secret to even host their small groups in homes or, you know, a bridal suite at the church or someplace that doesn't feel as churchy, if you know what I mean, for those women who are not used to the church environment or who are even intimidated but by their shame and their past history, you know, that to, I was certainly that way all those years ago. I basically hid on the back row of a church and I started going to church because I tried everything I could think of to heal the pain of my abortion. And until I finally went to, to, to the local church and I sat on the back row until some beautiful young woman ca- approached me and invited me to a small group. Yeah. So it was that small group that gave me friendship, safety. And it was in that small group that I shared my abortion story for the first time. Hmm. That's really, that's a great story. Can I go back, Pat, and, and kind of clarify something you said? Because I don't want to trip anybody up on some language. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you say, when you made a comment about men who've had an abortion. Uh-huh. And so we, we know that men haven't physically had an abortion. Right, right, but, right. but talk about how that, I mean, like how the abortion affects men. And, and 
just clarify what you meant by that when you talk about okay. that. Okay. Yes. Great. Thank you. Um, for, well, at running the Pregnancy Resource Center for all those years in my past gave me great exposure to the part of men in an abortion decision. In, even in my own case, um, my husband and I had our abortion together. So in the pregnancy center, I would watch those two scenarios happen where men would bring the um, young woman into the pregnancy center, basically forcing them or, or demanding that they have an abortion. And then there were those men that would come into the pregnancy center and sit in the lobby with tears running down their face trying to, um, because they had no voice in preventing an abortion. So I have watched both sides from the perspective of men. So over the years, of course, surrendering the secret is very much predominantly for women, but many of the women who come to us for healing have the man in their life, like I did, or they have, um, you know, a relationship with a man who was involved in an abortion and now regrets it. or So when these things like the Roe versus Wade decision come out, men, in my experience, have always kind of tried to stay to the sidelines. They've always, often, I should say, have felt that their voice doesn't matter. Um, so we have a product that we have taken out of Surrendering the Secret and made a very short version booklet of, it's called Healing the Heart of the Father, um, that just speaks to men using the same eight steps that we use in Surrendering the Secret for the women. It speaks to men about their part or their feelings regarding an abortion. So, um, you know, many of the um, leaders on our team offer uh, ministry for men with a man leading it, of course. Mm -hmm. Women do not lead men through um, abortion healing for surrendering the secret. But having pastors, men's pastors, um, pastoral counselors step up and help reach out to men who need to walk through that healing journey. So, um, you know, predominantly, like I said, our outreach is to women, but we do try to provide resources for those men who feel shame from forcing a woman to have an abortion or demanding a woman have an abortion or those men who were not allowed a voice in an abortion decision. Does that clarify it, Kelly? Oh, yeah, that's so much. Yeah, that just helps us, you know, understand. And I do, I think we often forget about the father in this situation. Right. And, and, and I think that what you even said just about women, he, you know, leading these groups of women and men leading, you know, men, mm -hmm. I think in this particular situation, especially, um, it, it's just so important. And that's why women's ministry in the local church can be such uh, a benefit to the women who are sitting there in shame and sitting there really, uh, they're hurting. They really are hurting. Well, with my own abortion experience, I was very pro-choice when I was a college student. My husband and I met in college and I was very pro-choice. It was during those early years when the, the discussion was, you know, rampant on the college campus. And, and I wrote, published articles about a woman's right to choose abortion. So I basically made the choice for my abortion without 
asking what his opinion was or consulting with him because I had an agenda. <laughs> I wanted, I was going to college to have my own business and I had a plan and I didn't want that plan messed up. So um, when we went through the healing process for our abortion together, it was multifaceted. One part of it was um, anger or sadness from me that he didn't make a heavier demand and say, you know, I'm not going to leave you. We're going to do this together. Um, and then he had the anger on his part that he was re wasn't really invited into the discussion. Um, so it was big in the early days of our marriage and almost broke us apart. We are, in fact, a rare percentage of couples who have had a past abortion together who actually survive. And it was strictly the grace of God that God, you know, that healed our marriage and, and then brought us into this very ministry. We've talked a little bit about how the church can come alongside women who have experienced abortion, how they can come alongside the men that are involved in their lives. But how can we as individual women help those who have experienced abortion? What are some practical things that we can say and do? Maybe some things not to say and do. Um, to help women find that healing in Christ, ultimately? Well, when we do trainings, I usually have in our leader trainings probably 25% of the people who attend the trainings, mostly women, are women who have not had an abortion in their past but have a position of influence in their churches or their local pregnancy centers, and they just come to the trainings to learn that very thing. Yeah. What do I need to say? What can? What is good to say? What is not good to say? How can I help women in my sphere of influence know that it's safe with me for them to talk about this? Mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget one a pastor's wife who was one of my early leaders. And when she first started being trained, I was concerned for her thinking, you know, people are going to think you had an abortion. And I'll never forget her saying to me, you know, Pat, I don't care if they think I've had an abortion or not. I haven't had an abortion, but I've had other sin in my past. Mm -hmm. And my desire as a pastor's wife is to be a safe place for the women in my church to share their story. So um, I think just, in, you know, having an interest in this and reaching out, our websites at surrenderingthesecret.com has so many resources and, um, you know, ways to be involved in the ministry, tools to take hold of, to bring to your church or your Bible study. If you are in, any of us are in small groups, in small women's Bible studies, Every large women's event, in my opinion, should have um, a, a, a visual of abortion recovery available so that women know that this is a safe place in this small group or in this woman's conference or this woman's training event for uh, the topic of abortion to be discussed and for us to reach out to help those in our in 
in our community or in our church who um, are, are suffering from that heartbreak. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful way to get women into the church yeah. and into, you know, into the fellowship. And I think when we think about that, too, it opens up the door for all kinds of other things that there is stigma mm-hmm. about that we it can does. just. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I always say abortion doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. Women don't wake up one day and say, I think I'll have an abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, we have experienced Im- immorality, reasons that we're ashamed for the situation that we're in. Um, sometimes there's abuse in the background. There's abuse in the abortion decision. Um, so there are other things that are connected to this before and after an abortion decision. I'm really glad that you made that comment too about you don't you know like a woman doesn't have like she doesn't have to you know have this experience in her life right. to be able to minister to someone, but right. they do need to be equipped to know yes. what are what are some ways. And so I right. think that your resource definitely helps women be more equipped to do this. And Pat, I don't, you probably don't know this, but one of the conferences that we do um, in our training kind of cycle is we have a conference called Essentials, which is a smaller group for new ministry leaders. And in May, we we had our recent one, and we had enough of your Bible studies that we were able to give every one of those women a copy of the Bible study because we really, well, we saw that this was probably coming down, you know, as far as like some changes. And we just wanted to equip these leaders to say, hey, here is a resource that we believe in and that we think will help you be a leader in your in your local church. And so um, I really do hope that we can do that. Like this is a great resource for women. It um, really is. Just to put it in the hands of leaders is a great gift um, for them just to take a look at the material and be familiar with it. One of the things that um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a new book. It's called Life Unstuck. And it's based on Psalm 139. One of the reasons and the desires of my heart to write that book was to get myself out of the bucket or the niche of abortion recovery so that I would have an opportunity to speak at women's conferences, women's events, and slip in my story so in, in a safe environment. So when I tell my story anywhere, then women flock to me after any event, just like at that speakers conference. When women know there's a safe person to talk to, they will share. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a gr- that's a wonderful resource and a great blessing that you're offering any of your leadership trainings. You know, just just uh, some connection to the yeah. resource and to the opportunity to be trained. Absolutely. Well, Pat, you if you've listened to our podcast, you know that because we are the Marked Podcast, we always ask our guests, what is the one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Oh, goodness. That one thing, that one thing. I really think that the, the main thing that marked the beginning of my walk with the Lord and continues to influence it today is the, the very first Christian woman who listened to my story and loved on me. Mm. So I think that women ministering to women is the most powerful place on earth. And I still, Kelly, what you do, the women's conferences, the women's leaders that you equip in, in the ministry there at Lifeway is, is just life changing. So 
You know, I think the way that I was most marked was the love of another woman. Mm-hmm. You know, the, just another woman reaching out and giving me a safe place to just be who I really was, to be broken and to know that there was hope, you know, and mm-hmm. and healing available to me. You know, Pat, I as we as we kind of finish this up, I don't know why I'm just prompted, you know, to feel like there may be someone listening to today's podcast that has had the past experience of abortion. And this may be a difficult podcast for her to listen to. But I want I want that woman to understand that the Lord offers forgiveness and grace Mm -hmm. because of Jesus Christ. And so Mm -hmm. I I just think it would be good for us to end today's podcast, Elizabeth, but just um, a saying like we we at Lifeway Women, we care about you, and we want to to come along beside you, but there is forgiveness in Christ. And um, Pat, would you mind maybe just ending our time today with just praying for those women and and praying for women to step up to, to be a minister to others? I, I would love to. I'd be honored. And, you know, one of my favorite places in Scripture is Psalm 139. I've loved it since I read it mm-hmm. the first time. And, uh, in, in, you know, it's always difficult to say your favorite place in Scripture. But in Psalm 139, where it says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. And we are reminded through that psalm that God sees us, loves us. He knew the choice we were going to make, and He loves us anyway. He's just waiting for us to turn to Him for healing and freedom. So, Father, we just thank You that Your Word is never returns void. Your Word is true forever and ever, always the same, never changing. God, thank you that you love this woman who is listening today. I just speak on behalf of that woman whose heart is broken, who may be in a leadership role, who may have a voice, but always feels that little um, casket of her heart that is unable to be opened. God, I just pray that she would sense your love right now as we're speaking of this issue, that she would know there is freedom and hope and redemption that you alone can give and no man or woman can take away. Lord, I pray that you would give her peace, strength, confidence, that she would know that you are a safe place and that women around her are safe places for her to turn to, women that you've called and equipped and appointed to be there for her, to walk with her to your altar. Lord, we just thank you that you are always seeking and searching and reaching out for us um, to bring us to your chest, to bring us to um, places of redemption and healing. We know that you are a good, good father and that your love for us is uh, always there, always present. We love you, Lord, and thank you for this opportunity to speak into the hearts of those brokenhearted women and just say we are here for them. And we love you, Lord. We see you high and lifted up, and we know that you are the great healer. You are the kinsman redeemer. You are waiting for us just to turn to you for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Pat, so much for being on today's podcast. And um, we just do, we really, really do want to encourage our listeners if, um, if you're maybe going through this or you need some help, um, you know, check out Pat's Bible studies, Surrendering the Secret. Um, if you're a leader and you would like to just be, you know, equipped to know how to handle this, we really want to encourage you to go to lifeway.com 
And again, look for Surrendering the Secret. And then Pat also mentioned her website, surrenderingthesecret.com. Thanks again, Pat. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I always love connecting with you ladies. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, listeners, thanks again for joining us this week. And Elizabeth and I will see you next week. Bye. Many women who have experienced abortion hide the secret deep in their hearts and suffer in silence. Surrendering the Secret enables women to release this burden and find freedom through honest, interactive Bible study, meaningful group experiences, unique journaling exercises, and confidential, caring community. This powerful, redemptive study helps each hurting woman find her personal path to healing. Learn more at lifeway.com slash surrendering the secret. The link is also in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.